Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Wendy H. Steele, who is the founder and CEO of Impact 100, a global nonprofit organization dedicated to uniting and empowering women to create a transformational impact in their communities. Since launching Impact 100 in 2001, Wendy has dedicated her life to encouraging women to see themselves as both activists and philanthropists, bringing them together in order to unite their efforts, support one another, and enrich their communities as a team. What began as a grassroots effort in Cincinnati has today collectively granted more than $123 million to worthy nonprofits across more than 65 local chapters in four countries. The importance of giving back with the intent to leave the world a little better than she found it was instilled in her from a young age, leading her to see that all of us have something important to give. Wendy believes that in giving to others, we gain in incalculable ways and we can encourage others to do the same. Wendy's debut book, Invitation to Impact, Lighting the Path to Community Transformation, shares her personal journey building one of today's most powerful grassroots organizations and invites women to become part of the solution by impacting their very own communities. Part business book, part memoir, Invitation to Impact provides insights for catalyzing meaningful change by giving women a seat at the table and a chance to join the movement or spark one within themselves. I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Wendy. So without further ado, please welcome in Wendy H. Steele. Wendy, nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you, Brian. It's fun to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited to to chat here. I was doing some research, obviously, prior and really interesting story of just kind of how this, you know, what you've been doing the last 20 years and and beyond that, obviously, uh, with some other stuff. So I wanted to first, by the way, congrats on the book um, coming out here. That's a that's a big thing. Thank you. Yeah, it's a huge thing. It's kind of crazy. And it's happening April 18th. Is that, yeah, it's amazing. And well, maybe that's a place to start. You know, a lot of folks listening in, you know, these getting started and, and getting started. You know, it's one of those things folks ask me about, like, it's, it have to be a big thing. And I'm like, well, sometimes it's a business. Sometimes it's writing a book. Sometimes it's just saying, I want to get in the best shape of my life and I'm going to start running today. Like it could be anything. So maybe a good spot to start, because I always love to have folks come on here. And, and one of the first things I talk about is kind of share a getting started uh, moment. And I have to imagine for you, like, did you ever think about writing a book, like doing this all these years? Like, when did that pop in your head of like, God, maybe I should do this? I'm curious, maybe we start there um, and then we can kind of weave in some other uh, points. 
Yeah, thank you. That's that's a great place to start. You know, I I had it in my mind that someday I would write a book. Like it was kind of in the back of my mind, but someday never really got real. And then um, Carrie Mortgage with the Mortgage Family Foundation, who herself is an award-winning author of many books, started this publishing arm of their family foundation. And she said, Wendy, I know you've been talking about writing a book one day, but what if that one day would come sooner? We're getting ready to launch a new publishing arm, and we want to tell the stories of nonprofit leaders that we think need to be told, and we would like you to be the first. So it went from a someday to a beyond my wildest dreams right now. Um, and you'd think that I would have been prepared since someday I was going to do this, but um, I, it caught me a little off guard. It did take me a minute to kind of get my head around that part of what she had in mind was to tell my personal story. Like it wasn't just going to be about Impact 100. It was also going to be about my personal story, which ended up being kind of, kind of bumpy, kind of unexpected. It feels sort of, I don't know. Um, it feels odd to start telling your personal story and you, I then had this moment of, do they really want to know what my birth order was or like who my siblings were or where I grew up to get to the point of impact 100? Or do they just want to know what's in my adult life? So it's, yeah, it was definitely an interesting start. And I'm obviously super happy I started um, because I ultimately finished, but not, not like a clear takeoff path. I, a lot of questions on that I want to go deeper into because this comes up a lot of the mindset of this. When you said someday, and and again, share what you, what you want here, or what you can remember, were, was it partially because you had a lot of other things going on? Or was there part, um, I don't know if the best word to use, like apprehension of actually writing? Like, were you scared to write a book? Like, was that part of the mental block of like, well, I'll push it off because I don't have to do it today? What? How much was maybe from bucket A, bucket B? You know, I would say both buckets definitely had a had a part to play. It was more that I had so many other things to do, and I really didn't understand what it took to write a book. So in my head, I had created writing a book as like this thing that writers do where they go away to the mountains and they write for three or six right. months, and then they come back out with this masterpiece. I didn't really understand the process. But it felt huge. And I was so busy just doing my work. Um, I couldn't imagine how I would carve out time to actually make it become a reality. Mm. So when you actually got to that point, then was there like, and, and you mentioned the, the, the friend of yours that kind of said, hey, you know, let, let's do this. Did they give you some coaching on what to do? Did they say go to the mountains for three to six months? Like what was the <laughs> what was the uh, no, advice there? <laughs> yeah, no, luckily they did not. Um, you know, and and the guidance really came to start. I did need to start and tell my story. So some of it was about my childhood and and things that happened because it was ultimately the part of my personal story that gets told in this book 
is about what led me to be a founder of this movement that now is spanning four countries and and kind of how as a banker i thought to start this nonprofit so she gave me really good guidance which was write down little snippets of stories as you get them and don't worry about how they all blend together that we would figure that out later the other advice she gave me was to write a lot because it's easier to edit versus to add meat to some very sparse bones yeah was it hard for you you mentioned earlier about kind of like the i'll use the word you didn't say the word fear but i'll say it like the fear of sharing maybe the personal life was it were there things that you were I don't want to say like ashamed of or embarrassed by or anything, but it was, was it just like you never shared things about your personal life in that capacity? And you're like, this is really hard to write this down. Yes. Yes. On all counts. Um, so if you would have asked me if I'm a private person, I would have said to you, Brian, I am an open book. Ask me anything and I'll tell you. And I, that is actually very true. You could ask me anything and I'll tell you. However, if you imagine a bunch of women sitting in the hair salon and of all those, you know, if there are 20 chairs, 19 women are telling the hairdresser their life story or their challenge that day, that week, that month. I'm the one in the chair asking the hairdresser to tell me her story. So although I consider myself an open book, I don't volunteer information typically i'm not somebody who wants you to know my whole story yeah. if you ask and you're interested i'll tell you now you add to that that i didn't have this rosy childhood now i believe no one has really a perfectly lovely rosy mm -hmm. childhood but in my case my childhood was pretty bumpy. My mother took her own life, mm. a story that we didn't talk about as a family and doesn't usually come up in cocktail conversation. How are you? I'm fine. I lost my mother by suicide. So it doesn't happen. People, when you get to a certain age, if your mother isn't still around or a parent isn't still around, they don't really ask you what happened because they make whatever assumptions they fill in the blanks. It doesn't. So part of it definitely had to do with that part of my story but like so many tragedies so many hard times in our lives that's where the learning comes like that saying that we don't learn anything when we're accepting the trophy on the mountaintop where you are in the trophy where you learn things is when you're climbing the mountain when you're in the desert by yourself and you're trying to figure it out and in that moment for our family i had an amazing number of people who stepped in to help my dad helped my sisters and I to navigate life in this way. And so there was a lot of really powerful good that came from those difficult circumstances. And it was part of the story that had to be told and was important to tell. It just wasn't a part of the story that I was super comfortable yeah telling. Although, as you can see, I'm, I'm okay with it now. And then April 18th, everyone will, who wants to read it, will know all about it. What, how old were you when that happened? I was 14. Wow. Did, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, back to four, you know, I have a, a 10 year old, so I'm trying to think of putting myself in his mind a little bit, but 14 seemed like yeah. a long time ago for me. 
how, like, how did you deal with that then? I'm trying to put myself in, I guess, as a teenager going through a lot of changes ourselves. And then that happens. Do you remember, do you remember those? Are those vivid memories or do you, have you kind of blocked those out for a variety of No, they're pretty vivid memories. Um, So as it happened, when, when my mom died, she had gone out hiking. It was in the summer. She had gone out hiking. She was an avid bird watcher and she was deathly allergic to bees. And so she was due back on a given evening and she didn't come back. And so it was the middle of the night before her car and she was found and she was found in the wilderness. She was found on a sand dune. We were told the kids initially, we were told that she was stung by a bee. Now she was deathly allergic to bees. So when I was 14, I understood that my mom died unexpectedly because she was stung by a bee, her car was parked too far away with her EpiPen, and she died. So the shock of losing a parent without planning, four years of high school. So at 14, I was about to go into my freshman year of high school, So, which is in today's world, middle school. So that like finished eighth grade, ready to go into ninth grade. Only after graduating high school did I find out how she actually died. At which point, it's like a revisit of, wait a minute, yeah. you mean it wasn't an accident and she didn't die because of a bee sting, she actually made the choice. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's complicated. I mean, for a million reasons, but especially for an adolescent girl. Um, and I, so yes all of those things. It was tough. It was tough on my dad. It was tough on my grandparents. It was tough on my sisters. I'm the middle. So I was, she died when I was 14. My older sister was 17. My little sister was 10. Um, And my dad was 44. So peak career traveled for a living. So, I mean, it was complicated to say the least. Um, But what ended up happening even before I knew how she died, is that when you go through something like that and you see the people who swoop in and sort of help, it it became a game changer. I had friends' mothers who would offer to drive carpool because my dad couldn't. Um, Friends who, moms who took me to get like my first dress for a formal dance or who talk to my dad about allowing me to go to certain parties or, or not others. Um, my grandparents had a huge role in my life. And all of those things happened in response to this catastrophic loss. But they happened, and you sort of look at it and you say, would I be the person I am today if I didn't go through all of that heartache? You, you know, it's unlikely. It's unlikely. What, uh, I, I have to, well, one, I'm curious, how did you end up finding out? Like who told you? <laughs> my dad told me, um, my dad, God love him. Uh, he had forgotten that he didn't tell me the truth. And so we were in a random conversation with no preamble and he just mentioned it kind of in passing mm. literally four years after she died. So she died in August. Um, 
before after my eighth grade year in school, so right before my freshman year. And it was July or August after I graduated high school when he told me the truth. And so it was a shock um, just to complicate things. I had attended a Catholic all-girls high school. Now, I'm not Catholic. My family's not Catholic. But I loved the school, and and I loved all the nuns. And the Catholic faith says that if you commit suicide, it's a mortal sin, and you go straight to hell. So honestly, that's the hardest part for me was that sort of faith perspective. Like, oh, all these years I've been thinking she's in heaven. This is a real conflict. Wow. And so I ended up going and talking to a priest who happened to have been a remarkably kind person who told me he was sure that she had remorse and he was sure that she was in fact in heaven and tell all the comforting things you want to know about a person who's passed. So it was, yeah, it was really um, tumultuous. Yeah. I imagine. And, and I, one more question on that. Cause I'm again, I'm more, maybe we help some people, you know, maybe it helps one person listening in. Were there maybe, and, and I don't know at 14, if you could remember this, but like, did your dad tell you, were there any signs? Was there anything that was like, so there like, were signs. Yeah. Um, there were signs. My mother was a recovering alcoholic. And so what that means for people who aren't familiar is when you are an alcoholic, you are always an alcoholic. Alcoholism is a disease. And so you're considered recovering when you don't drink, when you actively don't drink. And so organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous and others end up playing a vital role in the lives of most recovering alcoholics. So I've, I had known for a long time that when my mother was a recovering alcoholic. I also knew that she suffered from depression. I also knew that she had a low self-esteem. She ha also was struck with migraines where she would be in her room in the dark for several days. So there were definitely things that would have pointed people in the direction that this were possible. Frankly, I hate to say this, but I think almost anyone today, mental health needs so much more attention than it's getting. I think that there are a lot of people that probably wish they had help. And so the best advice I can give is to talk to your loved ones. So there were some clues, but not any, not any like flashing red light. And I think that's the big piece of it. As someone who is left behind after someone chooses to take their own life, um, you know, and it's a courageous thing for someone to do when they do that, but it's also a sign of just how hopeless they feel, just how, yeah. you know, it's, suicide is often described as a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And and I would say that, that is certainly what it was for her and what it was for our family. Um, it's never the right choice, but for some people, it feels like the only choice. If there's anybody who's listening who either knows someone who's done this or are considering it themselves, the best advice is get help. Talk about it. The more we bring it out from the shadows and talk about it, the better because it, it disarms the beast of 
you know, sort of self-doubt, depression, to be able to get help and hear how valued you are. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a tough conversation to have. And obviously, you know, going through that, I haven't gone through that. Um, so I, I, like I said, that the reason I'm more curious is, you know, I, I haven't been in, in your shoes there. So um, again, I appreciate you being open to sharing that. And I, I guess it comes down to, like we talking about like the book, like when you wrote that first draft, like, did you have to keep going deep? Like the level of detail, I'm not sure if that's in the book, but if it is like, did you write that in draft one it's or not, did it take yeah. you? Okay. So like, but did it take you a while with those personal stories to really get deep into it? Um, yes. From what you first wrote? Yeah. So two things as it relates to that. Um, the very first time I ever went public with how my mother died, right after I launched Impact 100, People Magazine wanted to write a story. And when they were writing the story, they interviewed me for, I think it was like 30 hours. Like it, they do their due diligence, like no one you can imagine. And so early on, the the interviewer, the the person who was going to be writing the article, she asked me about my childhood. She asked me how my mother died. And as I said, if you ask me, I'll tell you. I didn't want to tell her though, because at that moment in my life, this was 2002, at that moment in my life, I really didn't share openly how my mother died. It's, I just didn't. A lot of my closest friends didn't know the truth of how my mother had died. So I said, to, but I also couldn't imagine because I'm a rule follower and I don't lie. I don't, even though apparently I was lying about how she died, but right. generally speaking, I, I don't like to lie. I couldn't imagine having a lie in print in People Magazine and I also knew that she shared with me that they do their due diligence to be sure that what I, you know, all the information they print is accurate. So I told her the truth. And I said, please, please, please don't sensationalize the story. Like, don't make this the story with this Impact 100 work, the sidebar. And I asked her if I could look at the magazine article before it got printed. She said, they never do that, not even with celebrities no one gets to see these articles but she said she would treat it fairly so prior to the launch i literally had to tell friends and family because i knew my two sisters didn't talk about it either and i had to say look guys here's the reality i don't know what they're gonna say but they if there's anybody you need to tell about how mom really died you might want to do it because i think it's going to come out in the magazine so and it and it did come out in People Magazine, which hit the newsstands in January of 2003. So back to writing the book, I it wasn't, I knew that I would include that detail because it's an important part of the detail. I also, um, but where to, how much to tell and where to start and where to stop, that part of it's hard. The real, one of the many reasons that writing this book was important is I think in life, we look at people and they look a certain way, they have success, you know, there's, you look at Impact 100, it's very successful, it's growing like crazy, and you start to believe a narrative about a person, and it's all based on their highlight reel, it's all based on what they make public, what's out there for the world to see, and then when we look at ourselves and we assess where we fit in and what we're capable of, 
we're only looking at our, our blooper reel. We're only looking at our mistakes and, and our failings and our shortcomings. And so part of writing the book is to be like, look, my life was messy and bumpy and it's still messy and bumpy, but I just keep trying to do the next right thing. So that other people will look at it and say, ha, if she could do it, I can totally do this. Because that's really the message. Like the message really is to when you hear that voice in your head that says, I should write a book or I, I, this problem bothers me, then realize that if the problem bothers you, it's probably because your job somewhere is to be a part of the solution to get rid of that problem. It's not so that you lose sleep. It's not so that you wring your hands and worry. It is so that you figure out what part of that solution you're going to own. And that's, that's really how impact started. And that's a lot of what I, I hope I talk about in the book. Well, you make a good point there too, with the highlight reel, because we do, we look online and we see everyone in like, Oh my God, they're doing these amazing things. And then we do kind of beat ourselves up instead of looking at it. I think you, you, you had a great point there. Like instead of putting at it as like, what are the things that I really want to do? And by the way, our our path is so different. Just because of the whole thing, like I don't know if this is a random tangent, but like you think about like, hey, this person's ahead of me doing this or that. They're not really ahead of you because you're on different paths. Like such you're a not, good point. You're, you're not absolutely gonna, right. Right? You're not going to create if someone, let's say, if if uh, you know whatever, even with this podcast, if someone has more downloads or different guests or whatever, right? I could be like, oh, I want to be there. But again, I'm not, I can never get that because we have totally different paths that the podcasts are on. It's same with writing a book. You can't look at an author that has published 10 books and be like, oh, I'm, I'm nine behind. No, you're not. You're where you are like in this book, you know, I, I don't know right? why, why we do that. Why do we do that to ourselves? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but we should stop. <laughs> we should stop right now. I mean, I think that's the thing too, is like, if we get in the the headspace around, like, like I think for, to your thing, and, and it looks like you had a great support system around you that said, Hey, you should think about writing this book. You already had thought about it. And now it kind of came together yeah. in this kind of happy marriage, if you will, you know, to get it out there. Yeah. But so, but I think that's part, and, and, you know, you mentioned this a couple of times already is the support systems and how important, whether it was your family and friends back with, with your mom, whether it was around the book, like having these people, we can't do this alone. How important has that been? And you could take it both, but obviously you talked about with your mom, but even on this book process, like having people there that you could you know, rely on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I, everything that we do, we do better with help. And that's really the bottom line. If you imagine, even if you're the smartest human on the planet, planet, you read everything, you know, everything, you still have blind spots and um, having the right people around you make a huge difference. When it came to launching the book, I not only had people who told me, okay, I want you to write about this story. I want you to tell me more about that. They also said, okay, we've gone deep enough in this direction. Let's think about going in another direction. And it also gave me the space and time. In order for me to write, I needed help doing some of the other things that I would have been doing if I weren't writing. And so having that support system is key. And they can be virtual. 
they can be right there next to you, but getting those folks who will speak the truth in love, not surround, uh, you know, I, I have learned from a really young age, not to surround myself with people who will just applaud every word that comes out of my mouth and agree and nod their head. I don't get any better if that's what they do. But if you can respectfully and from a place of wisdom, experience, intelligence, push back, I think it gets better. It, it Whatever it is, the idea gets better, the conversation gets better, the outcome gets better. And so I'm very grateful. My dad was one of those people, frankly, who was excellent at asking hard questions, teaching me how to be a critical thinker. My grandparents did that. And then, of course, business colleagues and people at the MSF Publishing and on and on. When you were going, well, how, well, let me ask you this first. How long did it take from writing your first word to finishing having like the final copy done? How long did that process take? Oh my gosh, way too long. But you have to understand that I started it during the pandemic. So okay. like time and space sort of go, but it, the best thing I can say is it will take longer than you think, but it's not finished until you're satisfied that it's finished. And so when I look at that, I'm a pretty driven person. So while I was going through it. I really wanted it to be published sooner, sooner, sooner. I was like, just so eager. But what I know to be true is that timing happens for a reason. And so I believe it is a better book that's going to hit the newsstands today than it would have been if we would have rushed it earlier on. Um, but it will always take longer than you think. And when it comes to writing a book, if you bring in professionals, like professional editors, professional publishers, which I highly recommend, take their advice um, because that's how you end up getting to that better book is to leave your ego at the door and be like, and then speak up. There were certain instances where stories were, it was recommended. It was always my call as the author, but recommended this story not be included or that story be expanded. And I didn't just agree with everything they recommended. I really did think through and decide is the book better with or without this? And personally, am I, do I feel satisfied at how my story is being told with or without this? And so most of the time, I will tell you that I took their guidance, but there were a couple of times when they wanted a particular story or recommended a particular story not stay in the final draft. And I was like, you know, mm, it's got to stay in. It's not that long but it is important and I'm going to keep it in. So um, stand your ground when it's important, but don't let your ego be your guide. Or, how many times were you going to, uh, were you going to stop writing the book? <laughs> Did you have like days you're like, all right, I can't do this anymore. No. Or you felt, no, you felt I never you wanted to. I never wanted to stop. I just wanted it to be done faster. <laughs> right, but right, I right. never, it wasn't like I wanted to quit. It was like, are we there yet? Kind of. What, uh, I, I mean, I guess, and you've shared a few, but I'm kind of curious just in the writing process. Now looking back from, from launch date here, which is almost here, 
what would you have done differently if you if you had wrote the book again? Oh my gosh, um, it's hard because because it's hard all the circumstances that existed at the time. You know, I think I would let go of the outcome a little more and enjoy the process. I was so focused on the finished book. Sometimes I was writing to get to the end, if you will. And it's in those times, like if you're not in the moment writing, and I know this is true of everyone's work, like if you're doing work to get to the end, it's never as good if you're doing work to achieve something in that moment of work. And once I was able to give up on the, I want to get it done. I mean, I'm pretty much of a type A. I hold myself to a really high standard. I'm not somebody who ever wanted to quit, but I'm, I am somebody who just wanted to get it done. And when I could let go of that and focus on writing the best story of that moment in the book, everything got better. Did you write the book for a certain person? I hope not. I hope I wrote the book for a lot of people. I think, I think for women who are familiar with the impact 100 model, they will see themselves reflected in the mm -hmm. pages. But my hope is for people who have never heard of impact 100, don't necessarily know who I am or what has happened with impact will be inspired to understand that they can make a profound difference regardless of where they are, what they have, who they know, simply because they can. Because as individuals, they can do that. And when they bring their friends along, it can become even more powerful. I like that. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's that whole idea of like, do you write it for one person? Like if you're writing a story, you know, who's the kind of persona, if you will. So I'm always interested of how, like, again, the like when you were sitting down to think about, oh, I'm going to write today, I'm going to put some time in. Did you have someone in mind? Maybe it was a younger version of you. I don't know. Of like, this is the person I want to impact. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's trying to be as authentically true as I could. Mm -hmm. um, and to tell this story, whatever it is, in the most encouraging light, to be real with the bumps, but to not get negative with, with those stumbling blocks. And that might sound like I'm saying the same thing, but being honest about the trouble that came along the way and the growth of Impact 100 without sounding, um, I don't know, uh, discouraging, you know, to be able to say, yeah, this is what happened, but you know what, this is what we did from there to be as real as I could, yeah. because what I didn't want is for the, for those people who believe that there's some like mystical something to people who are successful to realize that it is approachable, have relatable stories that although these things might not have happened to you personally, you've had your own share of, of things that have come up in your life that you might have felt the same way about or a similar way about. Um, that was really the goal. Yeah. Well, and you make a, a good point about, you know, it's really that mindset of you could be negative, right? You could you could have let a lot of the stuff that's happened to you take you down a, 
a totally different path in life. You used it as fuel to, to be positive, to obviously impact the world in a, in a tremendous way that you have with the, with the organization. So it's one of those things. I think that's actually a testament to like, let's use the things that happened to us and we can reflect on them. We can improve as individuals. We can, you know, try to grow from them, but see them in a positive light as best as we can with even tragic situations that unfortunately that life happens, you know? Um, right. And, and we have, it's kind of that, the whole thing, you know, I talk a lot about is like, we have the choice. It's just the decision we want to make. Do we want to be positive? Do we want to be negative? You know, it's, it's kind of the choice we make yeah. each day. Right. Exactly. You know, I remember when I was a kid, shortly after my mom died, I heard someone giving my dad advice. And this man was telling my dad, and they didn't know I could hear them, that for a lot of families, losing a parent like this, now, of course, I didn't know what like this was, but losing a parent like this could really have catastrophic effects on the kids and on my dad and on my maternal grandparents. And I remember realizing how lucky we were because my dad was available. My dad was, um, he was, he was not a perfect parent by any means, but he was a great loving man. He was a good parent. And my grandparents stepped in and it's this phrase of there but for the grace of god go i like yes this was a terrible thing but in that terrible thing i was one of the lucky ones because i did have a support system imagine losing a parent through any circumstance at a young age and not having that community kind of to come around you plenty of people live that every single day plenty of people are living that and so as maybe counterintuitive as it sounded, I felt very lucky and I still do. I feel like by the grace of God, I have come through this and I have been able to, to be healthy and um, high functioning. And I've done these things and written this book where a lot of people might not have had the benefits of community coming around to make sure all those things happened. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've taken it and, and use it as a, again, as positive for the, for the world. So we all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're telling the story in the book, which is kind of cool to, you know, decide to take the, I like kind of that, the, the, you know, it's kind of the part business, as you say, and part memoir kind of kind of wrapping that together with a lot of lessons that folks can learn from it. Um, is there anything, any last thoughts on maybe the book process, maybe even on launch, like anything fun you're doing for the launch of the book that, you know, might be cool for people to hear anything at all to, to kind of end our conversation on? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We are doing a lot of really fun things around the launch. You know, I think the idea that the book is called Invitation to Impact and that it got started because someone gave me the invitation. They said, we'll help you publish it if you want to write it. When I look at the launch, um, we have impact chapters around the world and many of which are going to be having individual launch parties. So it's going to be remarkable. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is the first time for me. Uh, I've never written a book before. I've never done a book launch yet. And so it 
all, to me, it all sounds exciting. It all sounds fun. I just can't wait. Well, you got to work on your, uh, your signature. You're going to be signing a lot of books. So <laughs> <laughs> let's hope get, so. get well, used to that. So, well, Wendy, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining on. Where, where can everyone say hello to you? Do you, do you uh, play around in any of the social watering holes anywhere? Someone can say hello online. Yes, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And I think it's Wendy H. Thiel on LinkedIn. Um, I have my own website, wendyhthiel.com and impact100global.org. You will find me on Instagram. You'll find me on Twitter. You'll find me on Facebook. So please connect. I'd love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for being vulnerable with, with some of the stories um, on that. And, and I appreciate you joining and sharing. Thank you, Brian. It was a treat. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.